I've anticipated this message for a long time, been praying about it. And last time I preached, I said, if Pastor Pinnock doesn't fire me, this is going to be part two. It's what it's going to be. So he didn't fire me. So I was like, praise the Lord. Good things are happening. And so he asked me to preach. I said, I know what I'm preaching. Went to prayer, praying. And then Proverbs 16, 9 came into play. Scripture says, a man orders his steps, or a man plans his ways, but his steps are ordered by the Lord. And as I begin to pray, convinced that's the message, I told you I had something good for you, Cole. He was expecting it. But God called an audible. It was sometime last week, I began to feel a shift in what I should preach this morning. And it wasn't odd, given the year that we're living in. It wasn't odd given the fact that we've had several messages regarding this topic all year long. God knows what he's doing. And so as I resolved in my heart, I'm going to listen to God, I'm going to preach it. And then the world started doing what it's doing right now with Israel and all of that. And that was nearly confirmation for what I should preach. And so let God be true and let man be a lie. I got to do what God says to do this morning. So that part two is going to be sometime in the future. This is a different, you might want to call it part two from the Sunday school, I guess. So let's open our Bibles to Psalms chapter 110. Psalms chapter 110. And we will let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning in our hearts and in our lives. Psalms chapter 110, verse 1. And the goal of this message this morning is just as we will never diminish the work of Christ, we will never diminish the Holy Spirit's necessary and present work right now. God is not finished. Lift up your eyes. It is time to see God's redemption. Psalms chapter 110, verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. I thought of using an opening illustration, but I thought it would be, it would be too painful to talk about that fateful Super Bowl a couple of years ago when the Falcons were winning 28-3 to at halftime only to go into the fourth quarter with the lead only to lose it in overtime. I was going to talk about that, but I figured it'd be too painful to bring that up, so I won't. I won't bring that up. I'll use a different illustration. And just stay with me, follow me. It's, I'm going to bring this around, just illustration, okay? It was a couple weeks ago, the University of Colorado was playing their arch rivals, Colorado State. And with barely any time left on the clock, Colorado drives the length of the field and scores the winning touchdown. It was a very heated game. There was a lot going on. And during the post-game interview, their star quarterback, they asked him, what was going through your mind? What was happening? How do you handle the pressure? His final line to end the conversation, he looked in the camera and said, I just couldn't wait to put a watch on him. And he held up his iced-out watch. 
This is no ordinary watch. It's not an Apple watch. You look it up. This watch is worth $30,000 by itself. $30,000. But more than that, he took this watch and he gave it to a jeweler in Florida. And this jeweler in Florida drilled $40,000 worth of diamonds into this watch. The game is over. He just held it up and he said, what? And it's become some sort of a status symbol. It's how you talk junk to people. To people, NFL, NBA players are all doing it, holding it up, saying, I'm better than you. It's, it's the way that they do it now, called the watch flex. And then another week came back and did the same thing that won with the last-minute field goal, and they were asking him after the game, of course. He runs up to the crowd, and he's showing his $70,000 watch to the student section who was cussing him out all game long. We beat you what now? And after the game, they asked him about it, and his reply was, they left too much time on the clock. That if you want to win, you better run that clock down, because as long as I got time, we're going to win. Now, I'm going to preach a sermon that I've entitled this morning, Watch Flex. It's like they all like to do, Watch Flex. But I'm preaching it within the context of current events, context of the Bible and what is happening in Israel and whoever is at war with Israel, whoever is funding that war. Like Pastor Bennett preached last week, Zechariah chapter 12, I will fill Israel and the people living in Jerusalem with the spirit of kindness and mercy. They will look to me, the one they have pierced. Consider with me first, it is finished. John chapter 19, verse 30, and I have many scriptures that I will read this morning. Hopefully you don't mind if we read scripture in church. This is the word of God. This is life. This is what gives power to anything that I would say gives power and credibility to anything that you would ever say. Consider them missiles. Maybe we can launch 5,020 minutes. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual. Speak the word of God. Speak it often. Speak it frequently. John chapter 19, verse 30. Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, his arms stretched wide. What did he say? It is finished. This begs the question, what was finished? What was finished? John chapter 17, verse 4. This is Jesus. says, I finished the work that you gave me to do, speaking to God the Father. I finished the work that you have given me to do. I brought glory. I brought you glory on earth. Acts chapter 13, 29, when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down and laid him in the tomb. I finished what? All that was written. It is finished. Everything that needed to be done for you and I to be saved right now was finished when Jesus was on that cross. He said, it is finished. And we will glorify the work of Jesus Christ. This is the greatest thing on planet earth ever, is the work of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3 verse 25. God gave Jesus as a way to forgive people's sins through their faith in him. 
God can forgive them because the blood sacrifice of Jesus pays for their sins. God gave Jesus to show that he always does what is right and fair. He was right in the past when he was patient and did not punish people for their sins. And in our own time, he still does what is right. God worked all this out in a way that allows him to judge people fairly and still make right any person who has faith in Jesus. This is the gospel. Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That's why we are in church. That's what we communicate when we speak with people. This should never get old. What are they doing in heaven right now? They're not listening to sermons. For eternity, they're praising Jesus. Why? For what he did on the cross. It will never lose its power. It should never lose its relevance in our lives. What God has done for us to be saved has been finished. We can add nothing to it. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Hebrews 9, 12. He entered once for all into the holy place, not by the blood of animals, but by his own blood and securing an eternal redemption. His redemption never expires. Revelation 1.5, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. The devil hates that message, but we declare it, we revisit it. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What did Jesus Christ do on the cross? He flexed on the devil. He demonstrated for eternity his expensive salvation. How much did it cost? It cost him his blood, not $70,000. What was it? Drill, what crown was he wearing? Did it have diamonds on it? No, he had a crown of thorns. What was drilled onto him? Nails through his hands, maybe through his wrists. Far more expensive, far more valuable than anything in this world. Material goods don't give us our value nor our worth. The blood of Jesus Christ does. Those nails do. It is finished. But that brings another question. If it's finished, then why are we still here? I thought you said it was done. Obviously it's not. Obviously there's still sin and death and destruction in the world. How can it be finished, but it ain't finished? Why didn't the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ just banish Satan into nothingness 
Why didn't it just obliterate him? Why do we still have to battle with sin and demons? It's obvious there's something else going on besides paradise right now. I thought it was finished. As Pastor LaValle used to say, ain't none of us in heaven yet. And this is definitely not heaven on earth. And I do not have a super philosophical, mysterious, spiritual life hack answer to answer that question this morning. My answer is much simpler. It's because it's not over yet. It ain't over yet. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. What did he not say? He did not say it's all over. He did not say we're finished. I'm out of here. He did not say you're finished. He didn't look at John the disciple and then look at Peter and say finish him. He didn't look at the Romans and said it's over for you. He said it is finished. The work that he was given to save us. The reality of the message that we preach. We don't just preach a cute message that's a unique philosophy and it's different than all the others in the world and that's why it's special. What gives power to our message is that it's real. We're not here, like I often say, to have a Christian podcast. We're not here to just talk about the Bible. We declare the resurrection life of Jesus Christ so you can experience the kingdom of God when you respond in faith and obedience. That work has been completed. But when he said it, he still had to rise from the dead. He hadn't even died yet. How is it done? You still got to die. And you still got to rise from the dead. How can it be finished? But it's not finished. It was basically a done deal at that point. Jesus, it's like the star players taking the field. The opposition knows it's game over. Jesus said, I'm not worried about a thing. I've gotten to this point. I've completed it. It's as good as done. Rising from the dead, no problem. The hard part was me walking this earth, dying this death. The easy part is going to be me rising from the dead. It's finished. He looked at Satan and said, homie, you left too much time on the clock. You done messed up, Satan. You thought you were writing this story? The joke's on you, fool. I got the time. Let's go. I got three more days, actually. So how about you and me take a trip, Satan? Jesus said, you left too much time on the clock. Isn't that what happened when we got saved? We thought it was over. We thought it was done. The devil convinced us we were worthless. We were hopeless. You might as well take your own life. There was no time on the clock. And Jesus showed up and said, nope. There's too much time on the clock for me to not be able to save. You forgot this is my work. Let me remind you, Satan, who's in control of the time. Mark chapter 1, Jesus, he stepped out and said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Whenever Jesus showed up and he was casting out demons, grabbing them by their nappy heads, I don't know if demons have hair, but it would be great if they did, and he's just throwing them out of people. What would those demons say? Have you come to torment us before the time? And what did Jesus say? Be quiet. Get out. You don't determine the time. I do. It's my time, not yours. Whose 
in control of history? Who has the pen in his hand? It's not Satan. It's not demons. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 26, 18, he told his disciples, go into the city, find this certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. It's not about Caesar, not about the Roman government, not about anyone else in history. It's my time. Time for me to do what I need to do. And even in the garden, Matthew 26, 45, the disciples were sleeping. Could you not watch one hour? Could we not watch one hour in a service, an hour and a half? Could we not watch an hour in prayer throughout the week? Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be delivered into the hands of sinners. They didn't show up in the garden and drag Jesus out of his prayer meeting. No, it's not time. It's too early, Jesus said. It's time. Let's go. The devil's not in control. God is. Romans 5, 6, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The right time. What's happening in the world? God has the time. Devil's not in control. God is. Think about when they came and they took Jesus and he had proclaimed this message. They said, you're blaspheming. They grabbed him. They dragged him to the edge of a cliff. They were going to throw him off a cliff. And what does the Bible say? Somehow, he walked through the crowd, and they didn't throw him off. How do you do that? Is he the running back for the Georgia Bulldogs, shaking his stiff arm and hitting spin moves on everybody all of a sudden? How does he do that? He said, it's not my time. You can't throw me off this cliff if you try. I'm in control here. Take me to the cliff's edge. I'll walk off of it. What if they had thrown him? He just started walking on air. I'm going to walk on water too one day. He said, y'all ain't ready for that. I'll just walk through the crowd. My time hasn't come. I'm in control of this thing, not Satan, not a mob, not a crowd, not false religion, nothing in this world. It's God's time. Satan, you tried. Satan thought he had him beat. He found out, Satan, you don't run this. That's been the message then, that's the message now. We look around the world, who's in control of this thing? What is happening? The world is burning down. It looks like the world, as I say, is going to hell in a handbasket. It is. And it's not a surprise to God. Read the Bible. He says that's happening. Who's in control of time? Who's in control of these events? Not Satan. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Till I make your enemies your footstool. Acts chapter 2, verse 34 through 36. David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, The Lord said to my Lord, this is Peter preaching, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 through 13, the easy-to-read version reads like this. But Christ offered only one sacrifice for sins, and that sacrifice is good for all time. Then he sat down at the right side of God, and now Christ waits for his enemies to be put under his power. 
it's finished. I've done my job. And he went up into heaven. He said, I'm just waiting to put a watch on him. I'm just waiting. He said, I'm just waiting for it ain't a fat lady singing in heaven, but there's a voice of an archangel. It's going to sound something like a trumpet one day. And with a shout, all of a sudden, we're going to see him coming in the clouds. Everyone will bow down. He's coming again. He said, I'm waiting for that moment. I've got complete faith, complete confidence. I run this. We have that confidence. So the question is, as Jesus is sitting there next to the Father, enjoying his work, living as a living intercession for us. That work is done. If it ain't over yet, who's working? Whose job is it now? Our salvation, and I don't want to say this and you think that I'm reducing this in any capacity, but our salvation is only parts. The actual real event of Jesus rising from the dead is only a part. God is still working on his plan. In heaven they're singing, worthy is the lamb. They're taking their crowns off. If they got watches, they're taking them off. Everything they got, they're throwing it at Jesus' feet. Then they step back and they look at Jesus and they realize, that ain't enough. What else do I have? I have me. And they dive under their crowns at Jesus' feet, always worshiping him. So what are we doing here on earth? Who's at work now? If that was finished, but the game is still continuing, maybe that was only halftime. Colorado University, 29-0, lost the game. He had time. But our Jesus never loses. The question is, will we end up looking like that at the end? I thought we were going to. I thought we were. Or are we going to look like J.R. Smith years ago in the NBA Finals? There's like three seconds left in the midst of the, the shot, the free throw. He gets the rebound. His team has the chance to win the game. LeBron James is right there, wide open. J.R. Smith has the ball, and he's just dribbling, dribbling, looking at the clock. Time runs out. He throws the ball, and realizes it's a tie game we didn't win oh no and they lost the game in overtime is that what we're going to be like i thought it was over jesus i thought you did everything i was just waiting to run out the clock and and am i gonna lose are we gonna win are we gonna be embarrassed like that what are we doing now said all of that to get to this point and simply declare it's time for the Holy Ghost just like Jesus for 30 years in obscurity showed up one day and the heavens blew up and the Holy Ghost came down well now Jesus went back up into heaven and said Holy Ghost you can go and stay a little longer now I've done my job the Holy Spirit is working now and Jesus has so much confidence in the Holy Spirit that he's just chilling. He's just sitting there watching and waiting for him to be called upon. John chapter 16, verse 7. Let me assure you, Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. I say this because when I go away, I will send the helper to you. But if I do not go, the helper would not come. 
When the helper comes, he will show the people of the world how wrong they are about sin, about being right with God, and about judgment. He will prove that they are guilty of sin because they don't believe in me. He will show them how wrong they are about how to be right with God. The helper will do this because I am going to the Father. You will not see me then. He will show them how wrong their judgment is because their leader has already been condemned. I have so much more to tell you, but it is too much for you to accept now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will not speak his own words. He will speak only what he hears and will tell you what will happen in the future. What's happening in the world? Ask God. What's happening? What's going to happen? Ask the Holy Ghost. He'll tell you. We're not limited to all the limitations of non-believers, those who have no faith in Jesus. We have much more. This is a real confidence. This is supernatural. I feel it in my own spirit. Do you believe it? Ask yourself that every morning. Do you believe it? Jesus said, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? Will we be believing? Will it be just a theology? Will it be something we just post on social media? Something we confess when it's convenient? Or is it a deep conviction? So that when God tries us, he finds that faith to be real, to be pure. Luke chapter 24, Jesus said, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Thus it is written, that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. You are witnesses of these things, and I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Acts 13, 19 through 21. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his prophets, just as every single prophecy was fulfilled for Jesus Christ. And he was on that cross. He said, every one of them has been finished. I have nothing left to accomplish here. It's as good as done. I'm dying. I'm going to rise again as sure as I'm about to die. Those prophecies fulfilled. He's in heaven. Now what's happening? All the other prophecies guaranteed to come to pass as Jesus is sitting there waiting to put a watch on him, waiting to flex one more time on Satan. Say, look at these nails. Look at these nail prints. Look at this crown of thorns that I got. And look at these people that I have redeemed with my own blood. No money on earth. No government control. Remember, Satan, you took me to the top of that mountain. And you said, I'd give you everything if you worship me. And Jesus said, now, nah, homie, 
that ain't enough. I got blood that's worth more than all of that. I got people whose lives are worth more than all of that. I got people whose worship and love is worth more to me than anything you could ever give me. Satan, who are you? You're no one. I'm in control of this. I'm here to do my work, and you can't stop it. Nothing in hell can stop it. The Holy Spirit is here ministering. The Holy Spirit is convincing. Just like you got saved, it's time to see the redemption of God. Speak it in your prayers. Speak it to yourself. Then in that confidence at work, in the stores, just open up your mouth and let the Holy Spirit leverage his own words. Let the Holy Spirit be the weight behind that cutting edge that your words are. As you speak those words, as innocent as they might roll off your lips, and people are being provoked, getting angry at you, watch them start to fall on their knees. God said it's going to happen. Not me. God says it. The Holy Spirit is taking the field, so act like it. Do you need the Holy Ghost to get to heaven? That's not the issue. Do you need the Holy Ghost to get to heaven? No. But you'll get there a lot faster without the Holy Ghost because you'll die of sickness, depression, deception a whole lot quicker. Get the Holy Ghost and be of some use and value to God. Partner with him as he's on the field. And he needs you to make a move. When you have a relationship with God, you can work with God. God didn't stop working when Jesus rose from the dead. The Holy Ghost didn't pop through the curtain and say, that's all, folks. And they all run up to heaven. Show's over. No, he ripped that curtain and said, come in a little closer. I got something for you. I don't know where we are in God's timeline, if it's halftime, end of regulation, overtime, I don't know. But I know what the Holy Spirit is impressing on us. Jesus completed his task. Turn it over to disciples, and it's our task now. Work with the Holy Ghost. It's his job to speak to people, to convince them, to have them look upon them, he who they have pierced, like it said in Zechariah, and realize he was pierced for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds we have been healed. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11, I'm Winding it up here, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Not trying to figure out what time is it. My job is to be holy and godly. Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Am I saying we can make Jesus come back faster? Maybe. I don't know, but why not try? I mean, I'm surprised. Seriously, like, William, Tanya, Taylor, like, shouldn't y'all get married today? I was like, I better have a marriage sermon ready because Jesus is about to come back. I mean, shoot. It's our job to proclaim the gospel faithfully. And the Holy Spirit is faithful in his job of convincing of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The devil wants to get us off track, worrying what's going to happen in the economy and money and technology and the government and Israel and China and Iran and my crazy neighbors behind me and my job. Focus on Jesus. He's our confidence. Yeah, it's easy to talk a big game. I get it. 
What else am I going to talk? Whose gospel am I supposed to preach? Thank God this isn't all that there is in life. Get rich, get a bunch of money, and then it's taken away from you by some crazy joker shooting bombs at you. Or some bank that doesn't know how to manage their finances, and now you're bankrupt because they went bankrupt. Or you work, 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 and you never get there, and you die just as poor as you were when you were born. Thank God this isn't all that there is. We have hope. We don't need to live afraid of artificial intelligence and microchips and all of that. I'm, I'm concerned like you. I don't want to live controlled. I enjoy my liberty. I don't want to live under communism and all that junk. But I'm not going to live afraid of it either. That stuff doesn't determine when Jesus is coming back. It's God's time. Not Satan's. Who's the Antichrist? Don't know, don't care. I know Christ. Who could you know that's better than that? I remember an old rap verse that I had. Allow me, right? I got to bring something out. It says, y'all going to know who the K-I-N-G. Y'all going to see who the L-O-R-D. Y'all going to bow at his feet and lick the dust and confess all hail King Jesus. He came once as a servant, coming again as a king. You might not see his sword, but you're going to hear it go. As the sky rips open and he gallops out of heaven. Upon his white horse, swinging his dreadful weapon, his eyes hot with flame. Fierceness and wrath, fire reflects off his sword, making lightning flash. His armor is a white robe, dipped in blood. He's God, he's king, he's Lord, he's judge, he's the word of God, he's the man of men, he's the sacred, eternal, universal, sovereign, he's Jesus Christ, and he's waiting to come back and put a watch on him. Say amen, somebody. Hold up and say he's waiting to put a watch on him. Instead of saying amen, we're just going to do that from now on. When I preach, just do that from now on. Pastor Pentecost, he'll be like, what y'all doing? Y'all giving me the finger? Like, no, 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 it's a good thing, it's a good thing, I promise. But when I'm preaching, I'll get it. I won't take offense. Just be like, amen. I call that greeting with Cedric Pascal. I'm going to add it to my handshake with him. I got first dibs. Me and him going to do something. So, God is good. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love. When this world is responding in fear, I don't live like that. I live with power. I have something to give. The world didn't give it. They can't take it. There is nothing on earth, nor in heaven, nor in hell, that can separate us from the love of God. Paul wrote it, inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't lie. That's the truth even now. Nothing can separate us. What am I going to be afraid of? Put a microchip in my head. Make the words come out that I renounce my faith. That's not going to separate me because they cannot crack my soul. They cannot crack the blood of Jesus. They cannot crack what is protected by the iron dome of the blood of Jesus Christ. Sealed by the Spirit of God. What am I going to be afraid of? Who is for me? Christ is for me. There is nothing to fear, but there is something to gain. Preach the gospel. Live in confidence. Declare that Jesus Christ is coming. Not fear, but power, love, and a sound mind.
What's going to happen when you die? What's going to happen if Jesus comes back before you die? Could it be that the return of Jesus is more imminent than your death? Waiting for your deathbed, you're going to miss it. Matthew 25, 13, watch. You do not know the day or the hour. God does. The devil doesn't. Let him try what he wants. Christ's going to slip through the crowd. Whatever happens to us to be, we don't know that. But who am I going to live like? Somebody that doesn't have confidence? Someone that doesn't truly believe that Jesus rose from the dead? That when I die, I'll live again? Oh, glory, hallelujah. How are we supposed to live? Matthew 10, 19, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how to speak, for you are to say what will be given to you in that hour. Just as we will never diminish Christ's work, we should never diminish nor neglect the Holy Ghost's necessary and present work of completing God's redemptive Lift up your eyes. It's time to put a watch on them. Our redemption is coming near. We don't feel pressure. We apply pressure. Devil wants to fear and all this. Who am I? Who? No, I'm not going to cower in fear. I'll be responsible. I'll be smart. But as this, a spirit-filled Christian, I'm going to apply pressure back on Satan. You don't run this. We're going to snatch people. He's trying to throw them off the cliff. We're going to grab them and walk them through the crowd. Lead them to the altar. Lead them to Jesus. Let's bow our heads this morning. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. Watch Flex. Trendy, popular, funny, foolish, whatever you want to call it. What we're dealing with is not funny. What we're talking about is greater than a trend. Greater than a social media meme hashtag. Greater than some foolish little games where people are chasing an inflated ball around. We're talking about life. How many hours do we spend as a nation and as a culture on things that do not matter? How much money, like Brother Mike was speaking about, do we waste on things that do not matter? Spending our money and our heart follows. Our emotions follow. Our families are affected by them. You don't have time to waste. And you feel the Holy Spirit speaking those words to you. Privately and personally because he knows you. Saying you're wasting time. But there's still time. The devil wants you to think it's over. Why are you even here? Why even try? You might as well quit. Can you hear the voice of God saying, there's still time? The devil messed up, overplayed his hand, got too aggressive, and he left too much time on the clock. I can still pull out victory. I can still pull you out of those flames of hell. Maybe you took the leap off of the cliff already. God can catch you and pull you back. We serve a miracle-working God. Tomorrow is not promised. You know that. When will you live like that? 
If you have not received Jesus as your Savior, what I was proclaiming, being pardoned from your sin, being cleansed from your sin, being made right with God, if you have not experienced that, the wonderful thing is you can experience it this morning. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's as simple of that as that. That's how good Jesus' salvation is. All you have to do is humble your pride and receive it. If you would like to receive it, lift up your hand and we can have somebody pray with you. Maybe there was a time you were following God. God sees that hand. Thank you. Or maybe you're a backslider. You were there with the Holy Ghost. You were there with Jesus. But you took off the uniform. You took off his righteousness. You walked off the fields in a crazy fit. Who knows the reasons why, but Christ is waiting for you to redeem you. You can come back. If you would like to rededicate, lift your hand and we can have someone meet you and pray with you. God sees those hands. Thank you. Would there be anyone else? Before we move along, Christians, be encouraged by this. It's easy to get caught up in the fear and the doomsday of it, but we have victory. Our message is one of victory. We have something to look forward to. We have a very real hope to communicate and to live in. We live life by a different set of rules. We live life by the faith of the Son of God. Who has the time and the power. We're going to go ahead and open up these altars for prayer. If you lifted your hand, come forward. Someone will meet you at the altar for prayer. Go ahead and take some time to pray. Those of you who pray, just come down here. Without lifting your hands, come down here and we'll have somebody pray with you this 